0: Well, God bless you all this morning in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Um, And I'm just thankful for all of you and for what we're doing here this morning. And this morning is the final installment of uh, what I've been teaching here about leadership. And so I know you're going to find this interesting title. So we're talking today about overcoming Gentile leadership. I see the look on your faces already. Overcoming Gentile leadership. Take your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We always have to go back to the Word and get God's perspective about everything that goes on. And so, as I was thinking about putting this teaching together, I asked myself, how does God distinguish between people? We know how man distinguishes between people, man, woman, child, black, white, Hispanic, Native American, Australian, whatever. All those different distinguish, distinguishing qualities. But God distinguishes very simple, and this is what we've got to always remember. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, it says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of who? God. Now watch verse 32. Give no offense neither to the Jews, which should read Judean, to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of who? God. God God only distinguishes in three manners. Every human being on the face of the earth right now is either, according to God's word, a Judean, a Gentile, or you're a member of the church of who? God. Right? So that's, that's what it is. So Judean deals with the bloodline from the Old Testament, people in the Old Testament, right? Gentile deals with those nations and people who did not believe the greatness of God's word or who we might call unbelievers or ungodly. Guys understand that? So before you were born again of God's spirit, which one were you? You and I were Gentiles, right? Mm -hmm. So we got born again. Then we have what's now in our day and time, the church of God. Okay, The church of God. Three distinctions that God makes. Now let me say a little bit about this church of God here, which has caused endless problems. Because when people read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they use the term or see the term church, they think it's the church that you and I belong to today. And in the Gospels, the church is the church of the bride dealing with Israel not dealing with us. it's dealing Our church is the church that began on the day of Pentecost. And because people don't understand that demarcation, that distinction, it has caused endless, endless problems when it comes to rightly dividing the word of God. Some people have even prophesied or talked about what the church is going to go through when in reality it's talking about the church of the bride. You see how that works? And so here we're going to look at this morning Gentile leadership and how to overcome it. So what do you think I mean when I say Gentile leadership? Well, I just told you, it's, it's unbelieving leadership. It's ungodly leadership. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Now we're going to get to some segments here. You're going to have to buckle up because it's going to be a little turbulence in the room. <laughs> So I just thought I would let you, want, I'll let you know, we're, we're fast approaching it, but you, you'll get what I'm saying, saying here in a minute. Matthew chapter 20, are you guys there? Mm-hmm. And we're going to read these verses through and then I'm going to go back and we're going to get into them. So in Matthew chapter 20, starting at verse 25, but Jesus called unto him, that's his disciples, and said, ye know that the princes or the leadership of the Gentiles exercise what? Dominion, Dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. Verse 26. But it shall not be so among who? You. You. Talking to the disciples. You are not to follow this pattern of leadership. Where someone exercises dominion and power and authority over another person. That's what Jesus Christ is saying. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your what? Minister, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your what? Servant. 28. Even the Son of Man, that's Jesus Christ, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for how many? Many. Many. So Jesus Christ sets the demarcation on what leadership is supposed to be about. He said, you have heard, you have seen that among the Gentiles, among the unbelievers, they exercised dominion and authority over each other. So whoever was in a, in a Gentile leadership position, what did they do? They ruled people. They exercised authority over people. But Jesus says, I don't want that to be named how many times? Not once among you. So look at this. Go back to your Bible here in verse 25. The words exercise dominion. I looked them up in the Greek. Listening to what this means. It means to bring under one's power, to subject oneself to, to subdue or to master. That's what it means to exercise dominion over someone. Did you guys catch that? Mm-hmm. So for my Gentile ungodly leadership, listen to this. Ungodly leadership will always, always attempt to enslave people in some shape form, or fashion. That's what it means to exercise dominion over someone Mm -hmm. is is to enslave them in some shape, form, or fashion. Now remember, the worst chains and bars are not those that are made of steel. The worst chains and bars are those that are made up of our fears, our mental bondage, our limited thinking. So that's why this exercise in authority of someone is not just grabbing someone and throwing them in jail, but is to get people to the point that they're fearful, that they live in bondage, that they start limiting their own thinking, they have no self-confidence. Okay, you get what I'm saying? And we're going to see this here even further. So how do we overcome this? Were you paying attention to the scriptures? Jesus Christ tells us how to overcome it. You got to be a minister and a servant. In other words, the only two ways to overcome this Gentile, ungodly leadership is through love and through service. Hmm. Walking with the love of God and the renewed mind in manifestation will keep you out of this Gentile leadership. It will keep you out of the desire, the motivation to rule over someone. You see that? Mm -hmm. It's to love and to walk with service. And then here's two great words. Go back to the, the text here I was looking at. Go back to verse 26. Jesus Christ says, but it shall be not among you, but whosoever will be great. Who wants to be great? I can raise my hand. Okay. We want to be great. Look what Jesus Christ says you have to do. If you want to be great, let him be your what? Minister. And that word minister is diconius or diconia, which deals with the, with ministering. But here's the root definition of that word. It's to be a Waiter. (laughs) one who serves food and drink. Ever been to a fancy restaurant where when they serve you, then the person, they don't go run off and serve someone else. They stand near the table to be prepared to give you whatever you need, Mm -hmm. to be in front of whatever your need is, to be there to pour your water before you even ask for water, to get ready to give you your dessert before you even think about it. That's what it means. It's to serve. Is to wait on people. So if you want to be great, what do you need to do? Serve. It's not put in a position so people will serve you. And then go to verse 27. And whosoever will be chief. Top dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whoever be chief among you, let him be your what? Servant. Servant. And that's the Greek word doulos. Mm. Huh? Look okay, at how God uses this great two concepts of service And how to serve in two verses. You guys get this? Mm -hmm. So if I want to stay out of this Gentile leadership, this ungodly leadership, I got to walk with love and I got to serve people. That will keep me out of it. Is that making sense? Mm -hmm. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Ephesians, Philippians chapter 2. Now the more words you know, the more subtle and sly the adversary has to move. Because it takes a lot more to get someone who really knows this word enslaved compared to someone just walking down the street. The adversary really doesn't even have to try to enslave them. He already got them, right? But for us who knows the word, the adversary has to move a lot more sly and subtle. Now watch, this is what Gentile leadership does. Now let let me say this before I get to this point. Can you be a born-again believer nine manifestations of Holy Spirit and still be operating Gentile leadership. Yes. Most certainly. Most certainly. Okay, so I don't want you, when I say Gentile, I want you to just immediately run to unbelievers. <laughs> Get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Look here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. This is what God says. For it is God which worketh in you. You can put your name there. It is God which worketh in Tiabria. It is God which worketh in Chris. It is God that worketh in Julesia. You see how that works? It's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his what? Good pleasure. Now let me tell you what leadership can do sometimes. They will say this. They will confess this. And they will even get you to believe this. But in practice, Is not what they practice. Mm. They will tell you it's God that works within you both to will and to do of their good pleasure. But what their practice is, no, God works in us. Both to will and to do (laughs) of his good pleasure. And because God works in us, we tell you what to think. We tell you what to read. We tell you what to teach. You don't know how to witness and do outreach, so we tell you. That's bondage, people. Okay. Now about now is about the time you might want to click, because we about to, we, it's about to, it's about to be a little turbulence. Now is about the time you want to click, see? Anytime, and if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. Anytime a person, a group, or an organization sets goals and the method for how to reach that goal, that's Gentile leadership. You can set a goal for people, but the people should be able to carry out the methodology on how to reach that goal for themselves. Why? I just read it to you. Because it's God at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If a man has a ministry, I don't need to look to another person to tell me what to do with my ministry. Hello? Mm Mm-hmm. You just operate, you move with the Spirit of God as God leads and directs. Who should know what needs to happen here in this particular fellowship? We should know. Starting first of all with me and my wife. We should know. If we don't know, then God will tell one of you. (laughs) Because he's not going to allow this thing to go leadershipless or without a rudder, right? But someone thousands of miles away can't tell me what should be happening with my people. That I have the privilege to oversee. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. See, we're not into that. And let me tell you something else about this, this leadership thing and this control. Another way of looking at it is it's called legalism from the scriptures. And legalism is forbidden in the grace administration. And if you don't believe that, then go read the book of Galatians. And see, everything that Paul writes in Galatians is about to get the people out of legalism. Okay? You got that? Mm -hmm. Now, if you're walking with the love of God in the renewed mind, in manifestation, if I'm walking with love, then I don't need a bunch of rules. I don't need a bunch of policies. I don't need a bunch of regulations. And if I'm not walking with the love of God, the rules, regulations, and policies won't matter anyway. (laughs) Because I'm not going to do it. Why? Because I'm not motivated by the love of God. You see how that works? Mm -hmm. If I'm walking with the love of God, does God need to tell me thou shalt not whatever it is? No! Because I love God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength, so you don't have to tell me that. But if I am not walking with the love of God and I don't give a hoots about what anybody else says, then I can put all the laws I want on people and they still will do just the opposite. Have you noticed? How many laws are on the books in this country? Isn't there a law that says thou shall not murder? Mm -hmm. How many times do you see murder? Read the newspaper and see every day. Thou shall not covet it. How many times do you see people coveting? Why? What's the main problem? They're not born again of God's spirit and they don't love God. So they can't walk according to that standard. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So we are overcoming Gentile leadership. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. You guys will probably get there before me. Hebrews. (coughs) Am I going the right way, James? There it is. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at my charge. Your charge as well. But look at my charge as being able to have the privilege to oversee a fellowship. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. This is what I'm supposed to do. It says, feed the flock of God which is among you. Does it say rule the flock of God? No. Does it say dictate the flock of God? No. Does it say get all up in your business about everything you do? No. <laughs> That's not what it says, does it? It says feed the flock of God which is among you. This word feed means to lead, it means to guide, and it means to guard. Who am I supposed to guard? I'm supposed to guard you. Look at the language feed the flock. That's kind of referring to some, you know, like sheep-like activity, not that you're sheep. It's just a figure of speech God is using to describe what a leader is supposed to do. Now, is a shepherd supposed to fight for the flock or does the flock fight for the shepherd? The shepherd shepherd fights for the flock. The shepherd guards. The shepherd is on watch for the wolf who may be coming to try to pick off someone out of the flock. That's part of your responsibility as a leader. Feed the flock of God which is among you, now watch these words, taking the oversight thereof. Now listen to this. This is one Greek word in the Greek text, taking the oversight, and this is the definition. It means to look upon, to inspect, to oversee, to look after, to care for. Do any of those words sound like exercising dominion over? No. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. I am to inspect. So in order to inspect, that means every now and then mm-hmm. I'm going to have a conversation with you. Are things gone? What are you doing? So on and so forth. That's not ruling over you, is it? No. No. Or to care for someone. That's also what it means to oversee someone. It's to care for someone. So guess what? If many of you end up sick in the hospital, guess who walks through your door? One or both of us, right? To oversee. We don't sit back like, well, here's a text message. Hope you get better. See you in a couple days. No, you come oversee God's people. That's what you're supposed to do. It's about love and service. Do you understand that? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's keep moving here. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by what? constraint, that means force, I'm not to do this thing by force, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, you know what filthy lucre is, right, it's money, I can guarantee you I ain't doing this for money, (laughs) I can promise you that, I ain't getting no check for this, right, but I am, because guess what rewards I'm going to get, it's going to come from the father, and you'll see that here in a second. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Now watch how God handles this. Verse 3. Neither as being lords over God's what? Heritage. 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 Who's that? That's all of you. I am not to lord over your life. I am to guide. I am to feed you the word of God. I am to help you overcome the adversary. I am to help you to be a better believer. That's my responsibility. And what did I tell you either last week or the week before? If I am not doing that, what should you do? Find somewhere else to be. (laughs) Isn't that honest? Mm -hmm. If I am not helping you, then why sit here? Week after week after week after week if you're not getting better. But guess what? I can say this. I can look you all in the face and tell you, you have gotten better. (laughs) And I think, I think... I have a little bit to do with that. I don't have everything to do with it. Why? We just read Philippians 2.13. For it's God, who's what? At work within you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I can't take all the credit. God's God's part of this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's keep moving. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, that's Jesus Christ, shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of what? Glory Glory that fadeth not away. So what do I get for overseeing, doing it right? A crown of glory throughout all eternity. Isn't that wonderful to see? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians. Y'all good? Yes. Good, good, good. Because I'm I'm enjoying myself. I hope you guys are too. 2 Corinthians (laughs) (laughs) chapter 1. This is a great verse to remember. Look what Paul says here. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 24. Not for that we have dominion over your what? Faith or believing. But are helpers of your what? Joy, for by believing is the text ye stand. That word says, I do not have dominion over your believing. And I got news for you. Nobody does. You're going to choose by your free will choice what you believe and what you don't believe. And this word dominion means to exercise power over. I don't exercise power over your believing. You're going to get what you choose to believe for based according to the word of God you know and how much you put this word on. Now let me say some things here about Gentile leadership and make sure you get these things down. What do Gentile leaders do? They build dependency in the believers on their organization or their system of control. Told you to buckle up. Mm. They build dependency in the believers on their organization or their system of control. They put fear in you that will let you know that if you decide to go somewhere else, something bad's going to happen to you. That's not the word. It's not what the word because it's God who's at work within me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, whether I'm here or I'm in China or I'm in Australia. It's God at work within you. You guys get that? Mm -hmm. Here's something else Gentile leaders do. They build followers. Remember, I used the term religious sheep. They build followers instead of raising up true, genuine disciples and leaders. All of you are to be walking on this word just like I am. We're to walk on it. We are to be leaders wherever we go, wherever we stand, wherever we move this word. You can move this word without me. Can you not? Can't you teach without me? You don't need my presence to teach. You don't need me to tell you, now Dana, this is what you should teach. Now Chris, this is what you should teach, because it's God what? At work within you, both to will and to do of your good pleasure, of his good pleasure. But if you don't believe that, then you give up your self-confidence with the Father and you turn it over to someone else. Are you free? Yes. Put your hands up. I'm free. free. right? Free indeed," someone said. I'm free. So just operate your freedom in Christ. Real quick, Colossians chapter one. Ephesians, Colossians, chapter 1. If any of you came to me and said, Hey, Don, I I, I need to leave. I'm not going to be a part of your thing anymore. I would ask why. Right? Try to find out what's going on. But then at some point, I'm going to have to say, I love you, God bless. Right? I'm not going to put fear on you. But if you walk out the door you know what's going to happen to you. <laughs> if you leave me, you know what's going to go down. That would be evil to do that, right? Yes. Jesus Christ had people leave him all the time. I just read a verse for you last week when people left, right? And he turned to the 12 disciples. He's like, y'all leaving too? But people left, right? He didn't try to force them to stay. And what did those disciples say? Dude, are you Jesus? Lord? <laughs> Who got the words of eternal life besides you? No, we ain't going nowhere. See how that works? See, that's, okay, Colossians chapter one. (laughs) Colossians chapter one. Let me keep moving. Y'all stop laughing at me. Colossians chapter one. Do you know what Colossians is about? Colossians is about the reality that Jesus Christ is the head of the one body. Who's the head? Jesus Christ. Who's the head? Jesus Christ. Am I the head? No. Is the Pope the head? No. Is any other organization or ministry the head? No. Okay, just so you, if you're not convinced, Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 18. It says, and he, he is referring to Jesus Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of, the firstborn from among the dead, that in all things, how many things? All, all things? all things, he, Jesus Christ, might have the preeminence, or another word for preeminence is that he would be the prominent one. That's who Jesus Christ is. He's the prominent one. He's the one that's at the top of this thing. If we had a pecking order, it would be God, then his son, Jesus Christ, right? It is no pope, it is no minister, it is no other ministry. It's Jesus Christ. So who do I get my walking orders from? The man who's the head of this thing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. We're going to overcome this thing by walking in love and serving. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. Now, we quote this verse like it's doctrine, but this is not a doctrinal verse because Colossians is what? It's a correctional epistle. You understand that? Doctrine, reproof, correction. That means they got to practicing something wrong for so long that they eventually made a new doctrine out of it. Okay. So now think about that in light of this verse we're about to read. Colossians 2, verse 10. And ye are complete in who? Him. Him. That's Jesus Christ. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and what? Uh Power. Paul Paul had to remind them that they were complete in who? Christ. That means they got to practicing that they thought they could be complete in something else. Hmm. Now, these were born-again believers attending probably daily fellowships. Speaking in tongues, tongues with interpretation, word of prophecy, receiving revelation, so on and so forth. But they had a little bit of problem. They start thinking that they could be complete in something else. When your completeness is in the accomplished works of Jesus Christ. My completeness is not in my wife. My completeness is not in my job. My completeness is in not in a series of classes I may or may not have taken. My completeness is in the accomplished works of Jesus Christ. End of story. I can drop the Bible and the mic on that one. <laughs> End of story. Okay? okay? He's the head. We follow him. And last verse. We'll close here. Mark chapter 10. I was talking to a believer a couple weeks ago and um, she said she shared how the Jehovah Witnesses came to her door uh, and they wanted to give her one of the pamphlets and she said no thank you, I read the whole Bible. (laughs) That blessed my heart so much because they just want to give her a little tract, here why don't you read this and she was like nope because I read the whole Bible, no thank you. That's how we're supposed to be, man. We're supposed to be reading all these scriptures, keeping ourselves in alignment and in harmony with the will of God. That's what we're supposed to do. How many of you remember the record where Jesus Christ, and the disciples were, I guess they called themselves confronting Jesus Christ. Well, we found people out here casting out demons in your name, and they're not with us. What did he say? I got disciples you don't even know about. Leave them alone. You just keep moving, right? Now Now you're going to be totally shocked, totally blown away at the gathering together when you see people from all walks of life who are going to be there, Mm -hmm. who are part of this one body, and not this little bitty group over here, but they're part of this whole thing. And every person's going to get a chance and the privilege to stand before the judgment seat or the Bama or a place where you're going to get your rewards, Everyone who's born again will get that doesn't have a matter about the particular organization that you're attached to it's about are you attached to the word how many of us have heard this it's the word the word the word people and nothing but what the, the word. word and that's what we ought to focus on so in closing look at mark 10 I read this in Matthew but this is a different verse here different time he must have taught it mark chapter 10 verse 42. But Jesus called them to him, and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whoever of you shall be chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for what? Many. Many. The higher you climb in leadership, the greater the servant you should be. You get that? Mm -hmm. It isn't that you serve less. You serve more. The higher you climb. And if you read the word real closely, the leadership in God's eyesight moved among the people. They moved among the people. Imagine me sitting here on a big throne with my legs crossed. Okay, come unto me. <laughs> Let me tell you what to do, my children. Yeah, sure. Doesn't work that way. Did Jesus Christ move among the people? Yes. We move among the people. Did the disciples move among the people? Did Paul move among the people? Hell, Jesus Christ, excuse my language, Jesus Christ said, He didn't even have a place to lay his head. Yes. Right? Because he was moving. Love you guys. God bless. All right.